Hi there. Thanks for joining me on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong and healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. So here I am. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian, and I am your host, and this is episode 262. So I'm going to hop back onto the chair, and as you, if you're watching this, as you know from last week's show, I decided to add a video component to the podcast, and so you can either be watching this or just listening in its audio version. And I promise that I'm going to stay true to sharing uh, here on the pod in a way that if you are just listening, it still will work for you. But I wanted to add just this visual component because it's possible and it's so easy. I thought, why not? So here we are, episode 262, and I'm recording this on Friday the 13th. October, uh, October 13th, 2023, and this will go live on the 16th. So you're, you're watching it or listening to it that day or beyond. So I wanted to start out by telling you, uh, last night I went to see the Taylor Swift concert, uh, movie, concert movie, and it was unbelievable. And I've talked about Taylor Swift on the pod here before, and I wanted to just add to that. Uh, now that I've seen her in the movie, it is the most unbelievable experience. And even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, as a yoga teacher, I really think it should be required watching because there's so much we can learn from her about what it means to build real connection with a community. Of course, in her case, they're her fans. In our case, we have students in our classes we're trying to build connection with. And the way that she does it is in really specific ways. And I'm sure on some level, she might not be aware because it just comes so naturally to her. I bet though, in several instances of what I'll share with you, at least in my observation of her, I'm sure she's doing some of this intentionally. And that's really important to make that distinction because sometimes we just have a natural way about us that helps us build connection with our students and other things can be taught. And, and this is one of the things that I love about working with teachers in my program because I have an opportunity to share other ways of, in this case, building connection with your students. So when I was watching the movie of the concert last night, one of the things that I noticed is how much movement she uses in her own body as a way 
to make herself big. I mean, she's one person on a stage with 50 to 60,000 people, maybe more in the stadium. And she needs to be really big in order to allow herself to be seen and to take up space. And this is something that as yoga teachers, we can do. And I'm not saying do the practice because that's of course something that's part of my teaching methodology is to show you how to do the walk and talk, which is a very empowering way of teaching because you're no longer hiding on your yoga mat. You're allowing yourself to be seen like this way I'm talking about. But to do that, you need to be big. You need to make yourself big. And that means standing in a way that you're facing your students. Sometimes it might mean standing with your feet at hip width distance apart. Sometimes it might mean using your hands or using your arms in a way to emphasize a particular thing you're saying. So that's one way um, technique wise that you can begin to build connection with your class. Another thing has to do with vulnerability. There's one point in the movie where she shows a video and the words in the song are speaking to a way of being that she used to have from a mindset point of view, where she thought that she felt kind of geeky and a little too tall compared to other women and a little lanky and a little clumsy. And the video that's playing is of her walking through a town and she's taller than the buildings. So in this way, she's sharing in a vulnerable way with her audience, something about herself. And this is always a little bit of a tricky thing for yoga teachers because we don't wanna make the class about us. However, there is a way that you can show vulnerability with your students as a way to build connection. And it's hard to do in an intentional way, but it's something that can happen spontaneously, but it won't happen if you're not aware of how you can leverage a situation to kind of do what I'm speaking of. So one of the things is, let's say you make a mistake, you forget to do one side or the other side, or you flub your words or whatever it is, laugh at yourself. That's a way to bring levity to a potentially vulnerable situation where you quote unquote messed up. And it's a way to build connection with your class by showing that you're human. Another way that you can do it is if there's something that you experienced or experienced in your life, a personal story or a, um, a lesson that you learn, and there's a way that you can extract a lot of your own personal information, but you can still share it as a way to show some vulnerability to build connection with your class. That's another way to do it. Now, we don't want this to be performative. So we're not saying go in and perform vulnerability. It has to be something that's very natural, but that's another thing that I wanted to share with you. The other thing is just really um, using words, and she does this really skillfully, uh, when she speaks to the crowd, that makes you feel like you're the only one there. So she uses a lot of wording, like, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad that we have this chance to be together. And I want you to remember this experience in the future. And remember when you were here, you know, that particular aspect is called future pacing. And it's when you um, speak about something that's happening now and you speak to the future. And in her case, she's saying, I want you to remember the next time you hear XYZ song, you heard it here and we were together when you were experiencing it. And as a yoga teacher, we can do this future pacing type of thing 
when we teach a particular sequence or a particular pose or a series of poses, and we help our students see how they can do those poses in another part of their day or week or life as a way to feel a certain way or work a certain muscle group or build strength or counteract um, from a particular movement perspective with the opposite movement. And it's a similar technique because now you are calling back uh, or you're, you're teaching something in the moment and talking about the future. And when they do it in the future, they'll remember they learned it in your class. That's a really powerful technique because it's a way that you can help your students feel like your classes are more than just what I call transactional classes. They become transformational classes. And that's because you're showing them something in class that they can use in their life. And that's a way to do it by using this future pacing technique. <clears throat> but you can also, you know, as you're speaking to your students, as you're using your cues, <clears throat> really show them that you see them by the words that you use. This also comes up in when you do the walk and talk, you know, what I call the walk and talk rather than practicing with your class. When you change sequences, uh, I'm sorry, change cues because of what you see. That's a way without calling out a student by name that you build connection because when you change the way you share a cue based on something you see, so it might be something like, um, let's say for triangle pose, place the block behind the leg instead of in front of the leg to help you open the front line of the body a little bit more. So the students hearing that, if they have the block in front of the leg, will move the block behind the leg. And that would be a way to um, build that connection because the fact that they moved the block shows that they heard your cue. And that's a way to build connection because you said something, you suggested something, and they actually did it. So these are different things that I observed when I saw the movie last night. And it really can be a good study for us as teachers. So if you can get tickets, you know, when you listen to this, I think there'll still be times that the movie will be showing. Get tickets, go watch it. And um, also her music is really inspiring. And I talk a lot of times, um, sometimes teachers in my program will text me before they go into teach a class if they need a little bit of support. Maybe they're feeling a little nervous or, you know, that sort of thing. And I'll say, think, think of a song that really inspires you and listen to that song before you go in and teach. And I know for myself, I listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. Um, and so if there's a music, uh, a piece of music, a song that inspires you, definitely listen to that before you're going to teach to get into that empowering feeling. So that was the first thing I wanted to share with you today. And, you know, the other piece of this conversation that I wanted to have today has to do with this idea of owning who you are as a teacher, owning who you are as a teacher. And it's connected to, you know, Part of what I do when I work with teachers in the program is I start them out having a conversation about what's their mission. What's their mission? What's their purpose? And it's so much broader than I want to help people with yoga. I mean, every yoga teacher inherently wants to do that. They want to help people through the uh, skill of teaching yoga. But it's more than that. It's And it's more specific than that. And this is the kind of work that when you do this work, it essentially helps you develop 
your own method of teaching. So I want you to think about your name. So my name is Karen Fabian, right? And then put the word method after your name. So in my case, the Karen Fabian method, right? So let's say, you know, the, the, I'm trying to think, I was going to say Jane Doe, that's such a basic name, but just take your first and last name and put the word method at the end of it. And think of how would you describe your teaching method? Because that, you know, in that exercise of describing your teaching method is the nuggets that we want to get to. We want to get to how you teach, who you are as a teacher, who are you, um, who do you want to help with your style of yoga, is, especially if there's a specific niche that you want to work with. This kind of definition is not, or defining your method is not just because we want something nice we can write on a website for a studio next to your name. It's about this idea of owning who you are as a teacher. See, when I talk to a lot of yoga teachers, what I hear from them is they're not really sure of the style of yoga they teach. Even if they've been trained to a certain style, they're not owning who they are as a teacher. And when you don't own who you are as a teacher, the opposite is being a cork in the ocean. So you're teaching at this studio, you teach that way. You're teaching at that studio, you teach another way. Somebody gives you feedback, you'll take it to heart and change how you're teaching. You have a, another teacher in your class, you get nervous. So in the heat of the moment, you change your sequence. Um, you go for an audition and they give you some feedback. So now you're going down that rabbit hole. You take somebody else's class and you like the way they put their sequence together. So now you feel compelled to put your sequence together like that. Or maybe they use a particular type of cue or breathing technique or whatever it is. And now you want to do that. You know, it's sort of like if you've ever heard of the shiny object syndrome, you know, where you feel like everybody else is doing it better than you. And so every time you get exposed to a different way, you're compelled to sort of change how you teach to meet that standard. That's the cork in the ocean. And it's driven by a lack of ownership of who you are as a teacher. Now, this is not a conversation they're going to have with you in teacher training, because in teacher training, they're going to train you to be a teacher according to their recipe. And that's an okay place to start. It's just not an okay place to continue to be. And you don't need years of experience to define your method. You just need to have the conversation with someone like me that can um, guide you in this exploration in a skillful way so that you can define who you are as a teacher. I had a wonderful opportunity this week to go through this process with Natalie, who has enrolled in my program within the past month or so. And a lot of what I'm sharing with you is inspired by that conversation. And she found it so powerful to go through this exercise with me. And she was experiencing that sort of uh, scenario where she was taking other teachers' classes and started to question her way of teaching because of what they were doing. And this is really super common. She is not the only teacher telling you this. And sometimes it's driven by that imposter syndrome syndrome, but other times it's just in general, you're 
going to take somebody else's class and you're thinking, oh, this person has more experience than me. Maybe I should be teaching that way. So again, when you go through this exercise, it is 100% designed to get you to the point where you own who you are as a teacher, where if you ran into somebody at Starbucks and they said, oh my God, I'm going to come to your class tonight. What should I expect? You could very easily and conversationally say, okay, well, here's what you're going to experience. I can't tell you literally how it's going to hit you, but I'm going to give you a sense of the kind of teacher I am so that you can get a sense of how the class will go. And you would go into to sharing that. But more often or in general, more than just that one scenario of running to some running into somebody in the coffee shop, it's the idea of you owning who you are. And you know, the other thing that came up when I had this conversation with her is the concept of being unbothered. Unbothered. And I just love, love this idea, especially as it relates to yoga teachers. Because so many teachers I talk to are so bothered. They're so triggered by different things. Understandably so, because no one has had this really important conversation with them about defining who they are so that they can own who they are, so that they can be unbothered by what other people are doing in their classes, so they can be unbothered by feedback they get when they go on an audition or when students give them feedback after class, so they can be unbothered when they teach a class and there's less people in it than the person's class before. Like all of those things don't mean anything about you, but we make them mean something about us when we don't own who we are as a teacher. I can't tell you what an important exercise this is for you to do. So before I hop on to the next topic, what I want to do is offer you an opportunity to go through this conversation with me. It's going to be within the container of my program. So if this is something you want to experience, I want you to send me a DM after listening to this episode. Just go on my Instagram and just send me the word ownership and I'll know what you mean. You can even say ownership on the podcast and I'll know what you mean and I can tell you a little bit more about how I can, how I can work with you. So that's uh, another piece I wanted to, to tell you about, a little topic to share with you. The other um, piece of this conversation has to do with uh, making yoga classes fun. And this might be something that you might think, well, all my classes are fun, or of course we want our classes to be fun, but let's really think about how we can do that. Because I, I started to think about it a little bit the other day, and I did an Instagram live on it. So you can even hop over to my Instagram and watch a 30-minute workshop about this idea. But I also wanted to share it on the pod because I wanted to get to some of you who get to you if you haven't seen it on my Instagram, and also just reshare the information in a different way uh, or an additional way. So when we think about the fun aspect of yoga classes. I broke it down into a couple of different characteristics. So things like, of course, the poses you offer, the way you put them together, the architecture of the sequence, the pace of the class, environmental aspects like lighting, music, props, um, and transitions, how you piece together from one part of the sequence to the next. So if you watch the Instagram live, I do a little bit of a demo. For this conversation, what I'll say is 
think about things like having a posture that you share several times throughout one sequence as a way to graduate your students from an easy way to do the pose to something more challenging. So a good example of that could be something like half moon, where maybe you teach half moon in the beginning part of the sequence just from a forward fold. And then maybe you present it again from side angle lunge. When they're in side angle, take them from side angle to half moon. And then stick it into a dynamic flow where they're doing high to low push up, up dog, down dog, going to warrior two, reversing the warrior, and then going right into half moon from reverse warrior back to warrior two, and then through the vinyasa to the other side. So that's one way, you know, when I say fun, you know, fun can mean challenging, fun can mean different. I mean, you could even make your classes fun by really kind of surprising them by doing the left side first instead of the right side first, which is such the standard. You can make your classes fun by definitely doing different things in the environment, adding music if you typically don't. Um, you can make your classes fun by adding a level of challenge, you know, by maybe speaking just to action cues and giving them a lot of space to really, you know, drop into their practice. Um, other things you can do is you can play with the pace. You can tell them before they begin class, you know, this class is going to ramp up and then we're going to go kind of down in terms of pace and you'll have an opportunity to really dive deep into some of the poses we present after we ramp up to kind of a peak point. So that's another way to, you know, this idea of sharing with your students the behind the scenes of the logic of your flow, the logic of your sequence, involving them in if there's an anatomical theme, what's the anatomy behind it? You could share that at the beginning and then start to teach the class. So all these things are little variations. You know, some of them may strike you as fun. Others of them maybe don't, but pick the ones that do. Again, if you have an opportunity to watch the Instagram live, you can go ahead and take a look at that as another way to kind of give yourself some ideas here. The last thing I wanted to cover, because it's just, you know, if you've heard me share this before, it's just a good reminder. If you've never heard this before, this can be really powerful for you. And it's this idea of one of the pieces of my teaching method that I teach, and it's called my Connecting Cues Framework. My Connecting Cues Framework is comprised of, of four types of cues, action, alignment, anatomy, and feeling-based cues. And when we have four types of cues, it allows us to filter what we know through a particular type of cue. So we're much more organized as we're teaching rather than going into class and just sort of sharing all this information in our head. Now we have a particular type of cue we're gonna intentionally use as the way to teach the class. So I might before class decide I'm going to use all action cues. While I'm teaching, I might decide, oh, I want to use an anatomy-based cue here. Think of it like a filter between your brain and your mouth. So now you're actually filtering what you know through this clear way to communicate with your class what you want them to do. If you're at the point that you don't yet understand anatomy. Number one, you need to enroll in my program because I can teach you because you need to know it. But number two, in the interim, you can use action cues. 
action cues only is a really, really powerful way, great way, clear way, essential way, fundamental way to teach your students. So those are the four types of cues. I wanted to just review that before we wrap up this episode as a way to give you that takeaway for your very next class. Four types of cues, start with action, especially if you don't understand anatomy yet. And then the other thing I'll say in regards to this is if you want a training video on the four types of cues, send me a DM on Instagram and say, I listen to the podcast, I want the queuing video and include your email and I'll send it to you. Or you can even just send it in a DM and I can DM it to you in Instagram. So that's it for today. This was, again, a little bit of a shorter episode, added the video portion if you have a chance to look at it. And I want to just wrap up by, by calling out to you if this description is you, because I'm looking for five yoga teachers who feel they are ready to take the next step. They're ready to feel more confident. They're ready to really own who they are as a teacher. They're ready to drop their limiting beliefs. They're ready to stand in front of the class and have the courage to do that and no longer hide by practicing with their students. They're ready to share crystal clear cues and save all sorts of time prepping for their sequences. So if that description sounds like you and you're ready for that, I want you to send me a DM on Instagram with the words, I'm ready podcast. I'll know what you're talking about and I'll hop on a quick call with you and I'll see if you are a yoga teacher, I can help. You being ready is the most important thing. So start there and then send me that DM. So I want to thank you so much for being with me here on the podcast this week. I'll see you and speak with you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all the prep time you most likely are doing, getting ready for class, drop practicing with class, and instead do what I call the walk and talk, drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, just DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram and I'll tell you how I can help you.